1: You can get early access to the Match Ball on TSB, Plus, our new subscription package. If you want details of that, have a look at the squareball.net forward slash plus. Matchball is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees when you mention us, when you inquire. So head to our landing page, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the squareball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hiya, you're right. With me is Michael Normanton.
2: <laughs> Hiya.
1: And <laughs> Moscow, Daniel Chapman. Hello. First question then, who do you want in our Champions League group next year?
3: (laughs) I'm
2: not scared of anyone because they will not be getting any shots past Elan Meslier.
3: And they won't be able to stop Pat Bamford from scoring. So it's easy at both ends. Just give us the Champions League trophy now. Not the one we won in 75, but weren't given a new one.
1: Nice, that wasn't it? I really enjoyed particularly the last bit. It got quite anxious before that. It was very, very tight and a bit fretful in the last quarter of the game. but. I had a feeling that we were going to score. Then I don't know why.
2: You always think daft optimistic things. I had a feeling they were going to score when uh, when Sharp and McBurney were coming on. I just thought, oh, for fuck's sake, that's not that's not fair, is it? They're bound to, one of them's bound to score because weird leads links for the pair of them. It was a very even game, wasn't it? Could have gone either way, as they say, but went our way. So who cares?
3: I'm most excited by the very very end, after full time, when I discovered that Pat Bamford has a nickname for his nose. What was that? He said in his interview that the, uh, the header came off his nose and then he was talking about how he told Jackie Harrison before the game to keep putting the ball. He said, every time you get the ball, I'm going to be running between their um, their centre-half and the, the far centre-back, because they've got three, haven't it got 3 have not they i will be between the last two defenders. And he says, fair play to him for putting it on the money. That's what he calls his nose, the money, which is interesting. I like that. More quirks to add to the Bamford list. Where the money
2: used to go for um, Chileno, I
3: believe. Yeah, every time he sneezes, it's like, oh, movement in the stock market.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you're right though, Michael. It was a tight game, that one, and it could have gone either way. Because, I mean, let's face it, they're, they're a decent, well-organised side. You can see if they hit a bad streak of form, or this bad streak of form continues, that they might end up struggling because, well, you know, we were accused of not being... Um, Deadly enough in front of goal, but you could level that accusation at them today, couldn't you, easily?
2: I mean, that Lundström chance, I he'd followed my instructions to a T, kicked it really hard towards goal. I think he, he's completely expected that ball to go in. There's no chance that a keeper's saving that.
3: Unless the goalkeeper is Ilan Melier, who is clearly, I mean, we're giving ourselves the, the Champions League, we just need to give him the, uh, the golden glove, the Ballon d'Or. Uh, the Ballon d'Or's French, isn't it? It's French for... Door balloon, so he wins all these things immediately. And I heard, I mean, it was Steve McManaman who, who when he was saying uh, at one point, he's not 20. I thought he was going to go older. I thought he'd heard him speak, ah, he's 16. But uh no, wait until he does his post match interviews, his man of the match, and they all realize, oh no, he's actually he's 50.
2: The contrast, actually, when it cut from Lundstrom's upset. Old face, which is kind of... He sounds uh, like he'd be foreign, doesn't he, Lundström? But he's a scouser with sort of Norwegian heritage. So he's like part Viking, part streets of
3: Liverpool. He's, uh, he's Jan Molby's son, isn't he? He
2: it can, it can be, yes. I believe that's probably correct. But the contrast between his face and then it went to Medley and I just, I'd actually physically said, I went, fuck, he's young, as it showed him. I just haven't done that save.
1: Lovely moment, though, for Bamford. And um, I guess I think we're going to enjoy almost rubbing it in Chris Wilder's face so as much as we are celebrating it ourselves because he loves Pat Bamford, doesn't he? And he loves the Leeds Muppets.
3: It already looks like he's rubbed a lot of bacon on that face. I think he wakes up every morning and that's his uh, his kind of his beauty routine. Get some bacon, rub it all over his face. That's Chris Wilder's morning. I think evil thoughts about Pat Bamford.
2: Gareth Southgate in the stands watching him as well. I'm going with that. I don't know. I don't care if it was actually... Um, calvin but why would he not call bamford because he's irish no he's not he never played he's free to do what he wants
3: i suppose if jack Grealish, there's photographs of him in a an island shirt at youth levels isn't there so can easily yeah. uh hop over the the irish sea and and play for gaza southgate and just um well chris wilder and billy sharp look on <laughs> i should be your cap that billy
1: Interested to see Sheffield United conceding the territory early on. They seem to be sitting quite deep and letting us come onto them, and then trying to hit us on the break. Different to what we've seen in the first couple of games.
2: The game started more like one of our sane periods last year, where it felt like we were just feeling our way into it, and we weren't committing players forward in the same way as we have done. Like the Liverpool game, it was like minutes into our time in the Premier League, we seemed to be putting every single player in the box. This felt a lot more reserved in the early stages, and then it got we sort of. It felt like we put a foot on the gas a little bit more as it went on trying to get the winner, but it, it started off in a fairly sane way.
3: This was much more usual. There was something mad, obviously, about the Liverpool game and then there was the um, the excitement of us not being back at Elland Road, but at least the players were in the Premier League for the, the Fulham one. This one is sort of bread and butter Premier League material, but against a team that it was the end of last season that Chris Wilder said himself that his team looked in that match. Like I think they played Leicester and they looked like league one championship players playing in the premier league, which is always part of the sort of the credit that Wilder should get that, you know, Billy Sharp scores in the same division as Mo Salah and looks, you know, has got every right to be there. But yeah, it, it was a little bit more I mean Sheffield United haven't really changed since we played them in the championship and we were better than them there no matter what the results said so happy to beat them again
1: Need to give a mention to Cock who I thought really looked good today he looked really really impressive and he does have one thing that Ben White didn't have and that's a lot more aerial presence I know Bielsa tends to like ball players at the back rather than big meaty bastards but Cock looking big and meaty today
2: I I don't know if you saw Ben White yesterday, but Marcus Rashford was like throwing him around the box like a rag doll, it seemed. He was on some sort of invisible strings. But I thought Cock did well today. Didn't give away a penalty. So that's good. He can do that. It's good to know he's got that in his locker. Why was the one on, speaking of penalties, why was the Basham one not a handball, by the way? My understanding of handball this year is that if anything touches your hand, whether you mean it or not, it's now a penalty. But that didn't seem to be given for some reason. But Not that it should be, of course, because it's daft. But it was one of those where you think, well, if, this, if they actually looked at that and slowed it down, they might have been able to talk themselves into it. Which one was that? There was a cross down the left. I think it was Harrison down the left tried crossing it in and it just, he sort of lent into it a bit with his arm. But it, I mean, it's not on ball. It was never on ball until this season when you think, well, maybe that's on ball.
3: Yeah, you want it this season, don't you? And if, Why did you even have to think who it was down the left? Of course, it was Jackie Harrison, always.
2: He was much more involved today. The whole left side, actually. I think against Fulham, we said both Jackie and Dallas were a bit quiet, but I thought they were two of our best players today. Dallas, in particular, in that second half, was doing some brilliant runs down there. He managed to draw a couple of bookings for them, didn't he, when he was breaking from deep, and they just thought, oh, it, was
3: just, it was just easier just to kick him. And how many Cruyff turns? Count lost count. Just too many Cruyff turns. He was, uh, yeah, he was great. And, I mean, we switch things around as much as um, uh, we we're talking about Sheffield United letting us come on. We went to three at the back, ailing as a centre-half, and Harrison and Costa told us to just run up and down the pitch as many times as you can, as fast as you can. I mean, that was the thing that was funny about Pat Bamford's post-match interview. He was fucked. And that's... Um, they keep making him do it because he keeps scoring, and he might you know, not scoring the next game so that he doesn't have to stand in front of a camera going, Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, it hit me nose. Uh, um, I'm really happy. Can I I have a lie down, please? I'm sure the rest of them uh, would have felt exactly the same.
1: I love the fact, and I think it's something we have said before, but I love the fact that they're so knackered at the end of a game. It does go to show just how much Bielsa demands out of them, but also what they put into it as well.
2: I mean, I'm sure, in fairness, Paul Butler was tired at the end of games as well, but just for very different
3: reasons. He was tired at the start of games.
1: Nice to see Alioski getting brought on as the calming influence towards the end, just when the uh, the game needed a calm head, foot on the ball, take this thing out of it. On he comes, the Macedonian madman, I love him.
2: A young, young Bridget Nielsen coming on the pitch there. Get on for Rodrigo as well, repeating the Pablo trick at the end of last season of bringing someone on and then taking him off again. I think actually while we're on that, subject, We, I, I don't know what to do with Roberts because when he actually gets the ball, gets a touch of the ball, I think he always looks quite good. He's quite tidy. He's got good control and stuff, but he, he really struggles to get involved in games like this. I, he was barely noticeable in that first half and I thought when Rodrigo came on, he we did look a lot better in there, but I'm just not sure that he can continue to play in that position for us. Um, he, he just tends to look lost there and doesn't demand the ball as much as someone like Pablo.
3: He's a lot younger than Pablo and I think... The thing, the responsibility that comes with that position suits a player like Hernandez, who is in his 40s, uh, or a player like Moreno, who has played there for 10 years at the top level in Spain. Roberts, when did he start playing as number 10? About middle of last year, maybe a bit before that. And he's only ever done it in bits and starts, like a half of a match here, half of a match there. He doesn't get the there's not reserve team football, there's not a loan move, there's nothing like none of these things that help him get what you need to be effective in that position, which is the brain, the football brain that puts you several steps ahead of the players around you. There was, the, um I think it was Phil Hay did an interview with Pablo Hernandez recently. He was saying that, you know, I may not have quick feet, but I can I can think faster than some other players. But I'm sure if you interviewed 22-year-old Pablo Hernandez who was playing on the right wing at that age, he probably would have been a similarly kind of not able to influence games the way that that Roberts can't. And I think his job at the moment is the same as it was at the end of last season when he was playing the first halves, do the work, get us to half time and then bring on a more experienced player to unlock things. And that's just the way it is. And it could be Tyler Roberts, when he's 32 instead of 22, we're all marvelling at his ability to unlock defences from just behind the the striker. At the moment, it is just about working, learning, and getting through. I mean, I I don't know how to put it in a positive sense, but yeah, get us to half-time. That shouldn't be uh, underrated as a job. He's got to go out there and play for 45 minutes and and be on the pitch and do what he can, but then some games it will then suit Rodrigo to come on and had a bit more intelligence, which didn't, I mean, he was very good today, but then you also saw some, there was those times when he was trying to play short passes with Bamford and they clearly got no idea what the other one's supposed to be doing yet. And there was, um, there was one I noticed where uh, Rodrigo played a really good layoff in the center circle. And then whereas Hernandez would have kind of hung around there wanting to build the next phase of the play, he just ran and basically went and stood on the penalty spot and Pat Bamford, it was like, um, it's like a dog when you get a cat and they go and sleep in the dog's basket. Pat Bamford was like, but I I want to stand there. And Bambo had to kind of drop deep and was like, all right, fine. I guess I'll be, I'll pretend to be Pablo Hernandez. So it's all those things are kind of not really worked out yet. But yeah, Rodrigo did look better than Roberts, but he is.
2: I thought it was interesting that about the, probably about the hour mark, 70 minutes, something like that, there was a, a bit on the left wing and it was it was Harrison just absolutely screaming at him to get in the right position, which I think just goes to show that even though he's now the probably the highest paid, most experienced, uh, high-level player in the squad, you get a youngster like Jackie Harrison, who knows the system incredibly well, able to say, no, you're in the wrong place here. You need to go and just be there. And it's nice that he feels able to do that.
3: And you should uh, not ignore as well that for the goal, it was good defeat by... Rodrigo in the middle and then turned and passed out wide to Jackie to give him that chance to cross, which was, uh, so he, you know, he listened.
1: I think when it comes to Roberts, what you're hitting upon there, Moscow, it's just about speed of thought. He's got the quality I think within him, but I think the thing that we've adapted to quite well in these first couple of games and the perfect example is the guy we'll probably come on to in a minute is, is Patrick Bamford, how he's operating a lot more instinctively now, whereas he always seemed to think too much when we were in the championship and that was probably his his major failing was that he had time to think about where he was going to hit a ball and often made wrong decisions. But now he's kind of playing on his wits. He's just taken that step up and for whatever reason, it's really, really working. And I think it's just about Roberts getting the game time and being able to step up that speed of thought and speed of reaction. I mean, like one of the things I think we say, it might have been on the Phil Hay show in the wake of one of these games is that in the Premier League, You get a little bit more space, but you you get less time. So people will leave you in a bit more space, but they're on you a lot quicker.
0: Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact
1: Let's talk in depth a little bit more about Bamford then and the step up that he has made and the fact that he's scored three and three. I'm really, really pleased for him because we were critical of him on this podcast about his lack of finishing when we really needed it. But he's coming up trumps three out of three so far and no doubt he's going to hit a, a patch where maybe he don't get a, goal, get a goal this season or maybe he does get 38 and 38. We'll see, won't we, in the golden boot? But I'm just, um, I'm really pleased to see that he's made that step up because he's a bloody nice bloke.
2: He does seem to be, doesn't he? And we should know. He, anyone who listened properly will know. We were never like hating him last year. He was just incredibly frustrating to have watched him miss a load of chances. But now he's not. And <laughs> so he's absolutely fine. We could, we could, all we ever wanted was him for, to actually take some of these chances. And the rest of his play was, barring the odd game, was always incredibly good. Like no one was ever questioning his effort or his, his running or the link up play that he was doing. It was just that when it came to him in chances like this, he would sometimes miss them and nod them over. Whereas it was interesting after the game, actually, in his interview, he was giving himself a bit of stick, saying he should have. He thought he should have done better off the, the one in the first half, which was when, when Harrison crossed it again, which, I mean, I think it was a half chance, but that was a fairly difficult one. But it's good that he's expecting himself to score those.
3: Yeah, I mean, I always want whoever is playing up front for Leeds United to score loads of goals. And I think part of the conversation about Bamford last season is it doesn't particularly matter to me often, whether it's Bamford or somebody else. So it's kind of, if Eddie Nketiah wants to come off the bench and score loads of goals for Leeds United, then that would be great because what's important is that Leeds United score loads of goals. It helps that Pat Bamford is a, is a nice lad and is now the one who's scoring, but you know, it's not like I'm a, I don't, Buy a Pat Bamford shirt if I'm buying a shirt. I buy a Leeds United shirt because that's what's um, what's important. And he's, uh, he's the one scoring the goals now. So obviously the next shirt I buy will have Bamford 9 on the back. And then the next time he misses a chance, I will set it on fire because that's what supporting a football team is all about. You want the players to play better than anybody else's so that you win more games. And nobody's taking that. Sure, off him now because we don't have any other strikers, and he's scoring loads of goals. So it's the perfect scenario.
1: I mean, we've not heard the post-match interviews just yet. At the time of recording, they are going on. However, Chris Wilder, it appears, has been a wee bit salty. He's not a good loser, and I don't know—is he under a, a little bit of pressure? Dare we say?
2: What's he? What's he been saying? I've not. I've not seen any of this. I, mean, I I'm almost. I don't mind too much if managers are a bit cross when they, they lose because. The old saying about show me a good loser, I'll show you a loser. But I also desperately want to see him being upset.
1: Not quite sure what's gone on exactly, but Chris Wilder, and I don't know if he's joking or not, is talking about slide tackling him. Uh, Bielsa, I mean, sorry. He's saying uh, if if Bielsa walking past me, I might slide tackle him.
3: I mean what what's that about? I'm sure he's having a laugh.
2: I don't even really know what he means. Oh well. Who cares what he means? I'll probably only have to play him once more. Ever.
1: And, and he has to live in Sheffield, you know, so we've all got our cross to bear.
2: He doesn't have to. He could could live in the the beautiful garden city of Leeds. It's only, what, 45 minutes up the motorway? I'd recommend he does it.
1: The Barcelona of the north, no less. Um, so, other good things we've picked out there. So, left-hand side was pretty good. I think Cock was good. Bamford, good. Um, what else worked today?
2: Uh, I know we've said it about four times already, but Meslier, Jesus. Those two saves, the second one as well, which we've not even talked about, where it was... Baldock got in on the right hand side, and it was at his near post, but he it, it hit it incredibly hard, and it was it was a left handed save for him, and he, he just it was such a strong arm on it. And apart from that, just his general coolness in dealing with everything. And but there's there's moments when he has the ball at his feet, and he's just he's he knows he'll get caught in possession at some point this season, I'm sure. But he seems to know exactly how late he can leave it before releasing the ball, and it's a bit heart stopping at times. But you've got to say it's been pretty faultless so far.
3: Yeah it's it's much more reassuring than the the last person we had in goal for us who in fact I can't remember the last time we had a goalkeeper who seemed to have arms as strong or as long as um as this one that's the Andrex toilet paper slogan wasn't it strong and
2: long? soft strong and long though they don't look soft
3: well I mean I don't know until until we get the opportunity to give them a squeeze which in these Pandemic times is obviously more difficult than it normally would be. Don't rule out them being soft and buttery. But yeah, he uh, he was rightly man of the match in that. And there was um, another moment in the only post-match interview we've really seen, Pat Bamford was asked about him and just kind of burst out laughing like, yeah, we, we owe him big star for this one. And it is good. It, it Confidence sort of starts from the back, doesn't it? And wins start with clean sheets and all those kind of, cliches and I suppose the big change today from the last two games is that we didn't concede 20 goals so it made Pat Bamford's life a lot easier it's almost like the credit for Bamford against Fulham was that he was involved in three goals wasn't he won the penalty and then an and assist and the goal himself whereas today he may kick himself for, for missing the chance in the, the first half with the header and he had the other one as well which I, I like the fact that he took a shot on when he, he sort of ran into the box with the ball and shot with his right foot, which didn't always do. And it's one of those things like, yep, yeah, building his game up, but he only had to score once. And that really, really helps because Sheffield United, the thing that struck me about watching them against uh, Villa last week was they had a player sent off in the first half, didn't it, in the first half hour. And then Chris Wilder was criticizing them for conceding a goal in the end, but they defended really well. They just, Sat back and defended, and would looked difficult to break down. So it was never going to be easy to score against them. So only needing to do it once helped.
2: For a game that did very nearly finish nil nil, neither team looked remotely interested in taking the draw at any point, which was quite nice. It was it was clear that it was a everyone was playing to win, which is you don't often get. I think You're particularly newly a lot of newly promoted teams. I think to give us credit rather than Sheffield United would get to the last few minutes in a game like this and think, well, it's not an easy place to go. We don't have a great record there. Let's just shut up shop and take the draw.
1: And while we're dishing out the plaudits, we've singled out Cock in defence and Meslier as well, but probably a word for the whole back four who defended pretty resolutely. And Liam Cooper in, you know, singling out Cock and drawing attention to him, you kind of maybe forget that he's been absolutely rock solid and what his 200th appearance today as well. So credit to him as well.
2: I did actually off the back of this look up his 100th appearance for us just to see the contrast. And it was a 1-0 home defeat to Reading with Mo Barrow getting the late winner. He was playing <laughs> in front of Andy Lonergan and behind Eunan O'Kane. So for sticking with us through that, I think Cooper does deserve a
3: lot of credit. I would say, I mean, it was a, we went for the back three today with Ayling as the third centre-half. And I think Luke did have a slight feeling of giving Yorente the chance to take a shirt off him. There was the, the flop isn't quite as consistent in the Premier League um, as it was in the Championship, and he maybe needs to adapt a little bit. And there was, um, I mean, he did great to to get out of trouble in the first half, but then charging upfield, um, Sheffield nearly scored from him, leaving a a gap at the back. And I think that's not a problem because he's, he's a right back being asked to play centre half, and it's good that he can adapt to being there. But I did wonder whether these are the situations where Luke Ayling might not play in a match like this once Yorente is ready.
1: It certainly does imbalance us a little bit when we come up against two strikers like that and he does shift the shape around because there was a moment in the commentary where they're mentioning, I think it was the first was the back end of the first half that Leeds weren't quite on it after a pretty bright start and it's probably that shape is not quite as familiar to them as the 4-1, uh, 4-1 that we tend to employ.
2: I wondered if that was partly the cause of our slightly slower start as well that we were trying to just get used to playing in a, a way that we've not played in, I don't know, when did we last have three at the back? I'm trying to remember the championship a while ago. So the fact that we ailing can do it is, you know, it is nice that we can shift things around within the team fairly easily. and Everyone seems at least relatively all right with it. It's not like Jason Pierce at left wing back is what I'm saying.
3: No, it's a lot better. And I think it, it may have contributed as well to Tyler Roberts getting a little bit lost up front as well because it's a it's a different point in mean, stuart dallas has to move into midfield and did uh brilliantly helder costa as well wasn't uh they had a big chance um it was one of in fact i think it was the big melier save the first one came from helder costa getting done by a he lost um is it basham went round him and then a couple of minutes after that did him again with a, a dead simple one-two where he kind of laid the ball inside and Costa just stopped and he got the ball back and then Costa had to very quickly start again. So the, You're asking players to do things that they don't normally do even in this team. Costa a little bit underwhelming but probably did more defending than Ian Paveda, who was able to sort of profit from the, the ability to go on. and We changed things a little bit in the second half. I'm sure Stuart Dallas was spending more time sort of in the left-back kind of area-ish without actually being left-back than he was in the first half. But Perveder seemed to be just told, stay on the, the far touchline and dribble, which he did very well, but it's less responsibility than someone like Helder Costa was having to deal with, so it's more freedom.
1: Perveda one of the few that we hadn't mentioned up to this point. And let's give a nod to Matthias Click as well, who, consistently excellent in midfield and probably the biggest compliment you can give him is that we haven't had to talk about him up till now because he didn't really put a foot wrong I didn't think just just consistently good in that position
2: he was having to cover a lot of ground as well and well in both halves because I guess he's playing with Roberts and, and Rodrigo I guess a bit in front of him and neither of them were doing a huge amount of the midfield work for him so between him and Phillips they they just about had it covered so yeah he's he's incredibly good
1: let's wrap it up then with some heroes and villains from that we've kind of gone through the entire Leeds team I, I guess Meslier has got to be in there because he uh, picked himself man of the matchup.
2: I want Chris Basham as a a villain. Just no real beef with him. I just, I hate watching him play. He should, everything about him, his physical appearance and the way he moves with a ball and even his face looks like he'd be an absolutely terrible footballer. And I've got a feeling he actually might be, but he's annoyingly effective. He just gets in positions and it seems like because people are confused by the fact there's like a, odd giraffe of a man staggering into the box no one can tackle him and i just don't want to ever play him again
3: i also have a, a villain nomination i know it's a little bit repetitive after giving some to bt sport last week but um who was the main commentator today it was old what's his face wasn't it the other one anyway the when there was a close-up of bielsa's famous buckets and he from a socially distanced uh, distance nudged Steve McManaman and said, I'll tell you, how long is it going to be before there's uh, they start sponsoring that bucket? eh? I mean, if I was um, that energy company in Argentina, who, I mean, this is uh, if you're listening on TSB plus, you don't want it loaded with adverts and they're certainly not paying us. If I was them, I'd be gutted because <laughs> their logo is plainly plastered on that bucket in shot, in sight. Hey, they, they should start sponsoring that bucket. What more do you want? Do you want to see? There'll probably be a stern phone call going in. It'll, it'll see it next week, and it'll be all. Uh, it'll be like um, a grand prix car, all sponsors' logos, in hardly any bucket to try and redress the balance. But come on!
2: He also did that classic thing that someone does when they've lost an argument, but they don't want to admit it. Because McManaman went, "I think it is sponsored," and he went, "Yeah, maybe." <laughs> it's like, no, no, you, you can see it. It's it's right on the side of it there. Like, yeah.
1: That's what the, right, the white writing is there. Look, look, it's there. It says President Energy, look. <laughs> is
2: it though? Hmm. Maybe that was just on it.
3: It was also the slightly sinister moment from uh, Steve when we've seen. Uh, he'd love to spend a day with uh, Bielsa, not talking to him, <laughs> just with him. <laughs> just nobody wants, him. <laughs> no, nobody wants Steve McManaman just hanging around silently all day.
2: While we're moaning about stuff as well, actually, why was Baldock not sent off, having already been booked? I'm sure he should have been sent off against us last year as well and got away with it. But that that one absolutely clattered Medley like in the chest. You can't do that.
1: He was just stretching for the ball, wasn't he? And he did pull his legs out towards the end of the challenge. But I know what you mean.
2: But if you do that, if you tackled someone elsewhere on the pitch and you ended up getting nowhere near the ball and clattering him in the chest, you'd get a straight red for it. And he just sort of because he got kicked in the face, the ref sort of went, ah, you've had your punishment. It's fine.
3: Who was it that fouled Dallas where he just kicked him? That was Lundström. I thought that was great, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, Dallas didn't deserve it at all. And I hope his legs are fine. But we're just watching it on the slow motion replay where there's absolutely no subtlety. Just, I'll, I'll just kick him.
2: Yeah, it was it was very much like a, an old crim, wasn't it? I'll do the time for that one. No bother. <laughs>
1: Right, well, there we go. Then we'll, uh, we'll pick this conversation up when we do the uh, main podcast at the start of the week and we will pick some more heroes and villains and have a look back on this and find out exactly what uh, Marcelo Bielsa's crime was versus Chris Wilder. Or is it just that he's a really big salty bastard? Thanks for listening to this one. We'll see you in a bit. The
3: Matchball. ACAS powers the
2: world's best podcasts.